Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford, and I'm the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas, and it's a privilege to welcome you to our Wednesday evening service, even though um, we at our church have, uh, have begun to reopen during this COVID time, and uh, we are expanding gradually the things that we do. Um, so we started to present this teaching, which would have been our Wednesday night service, um, as, an, as, a, uh, as a recording in the early afternoon of Wednesday. So it's still Wednesday night live, but it's just available to our folks uh, throughout the day. And so we're welcome to uh, we're, we're happy to welcome you to join with us at this time. You know, this past Sunday, our congregation and our network discussed how you ask of the Father. And we looked at the Greek word aiteo, which really was defined by Scripture as to its parameters in conjunction with how you ask of God. And um, included in that were the idea that you were partnering with the hand of God, that you were um, moving according to his commandments, and that you're doing things that are uh, exciting in the sight of the Lord, as you are in, you're partnering with his ways to the point that he gains great pleasure from you. You are functioning on behalf of his will. You are functioning in conjunction with the way he created you and what he chose you to do. You are faithful in standing there. You are uh, willing to go through the process of asking and then doing what he says in the journey of finding the provision. There are a lot of passages that we talked about, but Iteo is really... A, an extension of your partnership with God to where you're not asking God from a begging standpoint. You're not going before a judge. You're not going before some uh, individual in heaven that you have to persuade. You're partnering. It's very similar to that understanding of grace and supplication. And uh, when you when you ask God in this way, when you ask God, on the basis of the fact that you're partnering with him, you really are um, walking in divine cohesion, divine partnership. And there's a confidence in that that is beyond, beyond the ability to describe. And so we're very grateful that God at this time highlighted, highlighted this, this understanding for us because I believe that the time that we're living in, the moments that we're all experiencing in this peculiar world we're living in, um, are indications that where darkness is on the earth and gross darkness, the people, uh, where sin is abounding, the light of the Lord is rising upon his people and the, uh, the grace of God is much more abounding. And um, 
with that in mind, God is leading us into a place of partnership that is the next phase of his development with us. It's aligned with his scripture. It's very clear to see in the scripture. But um, as is so often the case in the word, even though the word of God is true, God is a respecter of no person, I know all those scriptures. No scripture is of personal interpretation. I understand that. But yet, one thing I do understand more than anything is that God's objective is not just to give us a book of promises, but to give us a book of partnership. And um, we serve him. We serve with him. We don't use the word of God to cause him to serve us. And so, when you're walking with God and you know that you are truly devoted to his will, for some people, his will, I've heard this taught, his will is simply to do whatever it is you want him to do. And that's, that's ridiculous. His will is established in heaven, and we serve that as intercessors. And so, I believe that in this season, God's intent is to sharpen our perception of how we walk with him, uh, how we act with him, and how we move with him. And so much of that has to do with what John the Baptist did when he stood and he listened, whatever he hears. So it's, 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 it's important, it's vital for us to learn how to hear even the still small voice of God because that's going to be the way that his power flows through us. And um, so I felt led for us to look at some scriptures concerning a way that God wants us to function in this regard, but also a way that the enemy has used the same principle for demonic ends. And really, how the spirit of divination moved in the New Testament. And you say, well, why would we want to study that? Because unless you've just been under a rock and not paying attention to anything that's going on in the world today, wickedness is, is making its voice known. You know, this past week, uh, there was a march in many major cities, including here in Dallas, of people who worship Lucifer asking for a one-world government. And, you know, we took authority over that in our city, and I trust you did in yours. But it would be helpful to know how the enemy is trying to manipulate promises that belong to us. And it would be helpful to know that here's what the Scripture says we as Christians should be doing in order to hear and represent our God because the enemy has taken these understandings and twisted them. The most uh, prominent understanding of this divination was what the Scripture records in the book of Acts regarding the little girl who had two handlers who was functioning in, as an oracle would have in ancient Greece. And um, 
she was controlled by the spirit of divination, puthos. And it further says that she, with through soothsaying, uh, would speak to people, and she made a lucrative existence for her handlers in this way, just as those in Delphi had done throughout the Greek Empire and throughout the known world. Um, soothsaying there is, is a word that means to be kind of animated and kind of entertaining. And, um, you know, this is the way a lot of people make their living. It's not just enough to say, you know, uh, this is what God says. They have to soup it up a little bit, you know, to, to put some bells and whistles on it. And so this girl was functioning in a puthos capacity, and she was, um, she was also delivering it in a way that was very compelling. You notice even what she said about Paul. She cried to the people that were around saying, these men are servants of the Most High God. Hear them. You know, it wasn't, hey, you know, I got to tell you something, Paul. Do you have a moment? You know, I, I've been serving the enemy here, but I recognize that you... Uh, you really have the goods from God, and I'm impressed by that, and I'd really like to turn my life around. No, that's not what she did. She, she made a public spectacle of it, and Paul took authority over the, the Pufo spirit, and it was a spirit, and it made a lot of people mad, but the girl was free. What is this Pufo spirit? Now, we've studied this, and there have been other wonderful teachings that have been brought forth about how this is where the the word python comes from and how that this this type of influence seeks to constrict and to squeeze the the life out and that that's true but you know it it always made me wonder how how does divination and squeezing the life out really go hand in hand now i could see it if if a, a, a divination spirit would try to constrict from a from a warfare capacity and try to squeeze the life out of a of a ministry or believer i could see that but really back in those days this girl wasn't making money by squeezing the life out of anybody she and her handlers and the oracles at delphi were um were were getting money by declaring things that were then able to be verified, many of them. And so the, just the concept of squeezing the life out while true in some ways is not the onus of the meaning of this word. And so if you look at the only other representation of this in the New Testament, it's found in an offshoot of Puthos, and it's called Pinthanomai. Or puthanomai. And remember in Greek, some people get all bent out of shape. Why do you call it mysterion when it's mysterion? Because in Greek, Y and U, are, they are the same. It's just how you pronounce it. So it's apocalypsis, apocalypsis. You could say pinthanomai or you could say puthanomai. It, it doesn't really matter. It's the same in Greek. Their, their, their alphabet is different than ours. And... Um, but you find this word used, pinthonomai, in a number of different places. And our objective today is to recognize how the enemy 
has misused divination and for us to to take that scripturally back the principles back from the enemy we're not giving divination to people don't don't misinterpret me but we want to hear what god's saying and we want to be able to discern moments and we want to be able to 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 glean what what is happening in the spirit realm as god directs us and so this word used a lot in the new testament is uh is something that we're going to look at today and you know the thing that launched us onto this was first of all the spirit of the lord but it was also when we were studying about iteo in the high and holy strong's concordance they say make sure when you're studying this word that you compare it with puthos or pinthonomai. So, if Strong says it, wow, well, we've got to, we've got to do it. So, how does Iteo and Puthos compare? Well, remember, Iteo is that you are ingrained in partnership with God. You're asking comes from being absolutely saturated in the partnership that he's given you to where you aren't just looking as an outsider. You're completely surrounded. You are completely ingrained. And that is your perspective. Now, the reason they called the snake a python, that sounds more intimidating than a puthon. The reason they called it that was the snake would encapsulate its victim and the essence of that victim would be surrounded and the vitality and the essence would be gained by squeezing. Now, yes, the, the result is death and the end result is a food source, but the idea of becoming so... Uh, intent on a thing and wrapping around it and gleaning to the best of your ability every dimension of the breath every dimension of the spirit is what puthos was and it's what pinthonomai is and it's really how it compares with iteo so how does that function in real life well, there are a lot of words in the New Testament that are employed to speak about asking or requesting. I listed some of them here on your outline. Um, putho is to question, to discover by close examination, by inference, to learn through interaction. And that's a mild thing. Uh, when you're describing squeezing something. Have you ever had somebody who interrogates you and they put the squeeze on you? My goodness, some people have that anointing. They just lock on to you and they're not going to let go. They're, they're going to get in there and they're going to find out everything they want to find out. And they're just persistent. Iteo means to make a demand concerning something that currently is unsettled. So, it's kind of like when you're in grace and supplication, you get an insight from God, 
and you hold on to that for the solution to come. The prophetic promise has got to come. That's what Iteo is. Eritao is a request, is a kindness. Zateo, which is, you know, the ask, seek. Seek is Zateo. It means to search for something that's concealed. And Diomai involves the idea of a crucial necessity, which then links up with the asis, which is what's supplication in the New Testament. So those words are great. They're studies for you, but they're different from Pinthonomai. And they're, there's a difference between those kinds of insights and what you must use when you're discerning things in the spirit. When, when a spirit of divination moves, it, it, it absconds the true meaning of this and uses it for wicked devices. Now, I don't know what you think, but I've had it. I've had enough of the enemy using scriptural principles for his kingdom while the church is just ignorant of it all. And so we need to be a people who learn how to get a hold of something, to focus in on it as God directs. Now, as God directs, that's the main thing. And to encapsulate it, to surround it, and to gain the essence of what's really happening. And through that, then, we gain understanding by the Spirit of the Lord and we make a better stance prophetically for the kingdom. Let's look at some places where this word is used. Pinthonomai. First is Matthew 2 that we're going to look at, verses 1 through 4. It says, When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. When Herod wasn't happy, Jerusalem wasn't happy. So when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Now, he didn't use his kingdom authority. He didn't, he didn't uh, coerce them. He ingrained himself into the situation. And he gleaned everything he could from them at that time. And you remember the rest of the, the accounts where he said, Oh, look, when you find him, you make sure and come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. He tried to come into the very essence of what they were there for. And um, that is pinthonomai. And that is making an inquiry. And that is somehow prophetically embracing a moment at the direction of God and gleaning everything you can from it. We've tried to teach this in interpretation groups. Some, sometimes it's hard for Christians to, to do this. I don't know why. Because we're made to do such thing before the Lord. 
David meditated upon God. It's one of his favorite things to do, and through that he gleaned lots of things. Waiting on the Lord, becoming entwined with him um, in that threefold cord or more, you, you glean from that. And it's not just God surrounding you. It's you doing your best to invest yourself into God. And so uh, we need to be aware and we need to take full advantage of the moment, not just settle for a, a, a little nibble. <laughs> What's a little nibble between threads? It's, it's not just that. It's, it's embracing the thing and not letting go. This wears some people out. You're going too deep. Make it simple. Make it easy. You tell that to a python. Hey, you know, just make it simple. Now they're gonna get. They're gonna squeeze it out. Squeeze the life out of you. That could have been funny in another way. But um, Herod did this. Let's look at Luke 15, gaining information from a chain of command. Verse 25. This is the end of the prodigal son story. The, the elder son was in the field, and he came and drew nigh to the house, and he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and Pinthonami, what these things meant. And he said unto the elder brother, Your younger brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he had received him safe and sound. Now, this older brother was the elder brother. This was his house. He could have gone in and found out for himself. It was his home. But he inquired, and he gleaned information, and he made a proper assessment. Now, his conclusion was not godly, obviously, but he assessed. And so part of the way we move in a deeper capacity of interpreting is by taking the pieces that are provided for us by others in the command chain. Uh, you know, it's what Paul said to do in, in Corinthians where he said, when you come together, let the prophets speak two or three, and if there's a word that another has, let him the first keep his peace. And you glean these things, and then you prophetically diacrino the prophecy you lay it all out and you make a judgment as to all that you hear um, this is kind of what's being done in this pinthonomai let's keep looking gaining information in the midst of a confusing scenario luke 18 verse 35 it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jerusalem, this is Jesus, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. Hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant, Pinthonomai. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passes by. And this blind guy cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now this man began to make inquiries as to what what's all the hubbub about you know and people begin to tell him now you got to be careful with this 
But when you're gaining information that you don't become swayed by other people's opinions of the information. You you glean from a from a um, a technical perspective and not from a persuasion perspective because emotion and excitement sometimes coercion sometimes fear can all be trying to pollute the real scenario and sometimes the the opinions of people about what's going on is is not really what you want to hear you just want to know the facts just the facts ma'am and that's what this blind man was was doing and you know um i think that we're we're having a lot of occurrences in our nation right now and there are a lot of noise there are a lot of noises and there are a lot of talking heads who want to sway the argument and people line up and take sides and they plaster Facebook with all of their diatribe and their personal slant on things. And, you know, there are always those that try to capture the event and turn it for their good. It's kind of like when the Apostle Paul was, uh, there was a big gathering by those who were threatened by Paul being in town. They thought that their images being made to Diana or Artemis was that Paul was going to put them out of business. So they gathered this crowd together and they hired some people to help stoke the crowd. And there were a lot of folks that are just followers that began to cry out and join the mob. And there's a lot of that in our country today. Um, and we as spiritual people, we need to put aside the rhetoric and put aside the opinions and just take a good look to the best of our ability at exactly what's happening. Does this really mean what they're saying it means? And, you know, the beauty of it is, is that you can, you can find out what's really going on if you just take the time to look. And, you know you got to be careful in your searching that you don't drink the Kool-Aid, that you don't find uh, another political source that's just tainted everything. It's very, you know, it's very easy to look at a scenario and say, what is right and what is wrong about this particular thing? What, is, what should be done and what shouldn't be done? Oh, man, the extrapolations off of that is all over the map. And then you have apologists and you have attackers. And, you know, you got to find a way to pare away all that nonsense and make a determination for yourself. And when it comes to the spirit realm, listen, you think what goes on in Lafayette Square or on Fifth Avenue or downtown, wherever you live, where they're you know, statues of George Washington and, uh, you know, others are being toppled. 
You think that's confusing? The enemy is trying through the prince of the power of the air to control the airwaves spiritually. And we as Christians need to know how to lock eyes on something and pare away the stuff that has no bearing, pare away the things the enemy through his facades and his emotions, emotional manipulation wants you to follow his line and get right after it. Does that mean that people are people are going to be persuaded? No. If we found out one thing, you know, it's kind of like what a recent leader in Congress said, I don't want to hear your facts. <laughs> Who says that? Who says that? I don't want to hear the facts. Um, but I'll tell you this, in the spirit realm, you've, you've got to, to learn how to do this, and you've got to You've got to hold your ground on what God has said. And the enemy will know real quick whether you are committed to what you know or not. You know, another serpent in Scripture said to Eve, Hath God said? Well, Eve knew exactly what God had said. But when you veer off of that fact and you get into diatribe or emotion or agendas, and you begin to consider those things more than what God hath said, then you're going to be in trouble. The enemy will probe that to see how much you believe. Even Satan in the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness threw scriptures at him with his own demonic twist. And Jesus would say, I'm not doing that because it is written. He knew where he stood. He knew what he should do. And I think in the spirit, well, I don't think, I know in the spirit realm in these days, we've got to become the voice, the voice piece of our Father. And we've got to believe his word, and we've got to learn how to discern situations so that, you know, divination in itself, the word, is to take the divine and to begin to cast it in a way that people think is really God. Simon the sorcerer did that. He sourced the histemes, and the people saw what he did and said, this man is the great power of God. But when Philip came preaching the truth and then Peter and John subsequently came, he, he was out of business because they weren't buying into that. They weren't buying into his twists on the divine. And if there was ever a day that we need to know, oh, how do I know this, Pastor? Who do I know how to trust? Well, trust the word. Trust the word of God. And open your eyes a little bit. I mean, I could... Without being political, I'm, I'm trying to think of illustrations I could give you. You know, but we, even as kids, you know, when I remember one time I was playing baseball in my huge backyard with my nephew and my niece. And um, I was probably 
14, 13. And I told them I was going to hit the ball as far as I could. And they needed to try to catch the ball. And we took turns doing this. So I went way down the field. And I smacked the ball. And it went far. It went right through the kitchen window. Well, my dad came out. He looked at what was going on. And you know, I could have come up with all kinds of shenanigans stories. <laughs> but I knew that the best thing was to say, this is what happened. The evidence is here. Today, in the natural, people aren't interested in the evidence. They, they're not willing to, to really discern, is this right or is this wrong? And in the spirit realm... It's not a popularity conference. It's not. It's not a. It's not a, a democracy. It's not even an anarchy. It's light and dark, and that's why you say to this mountain, "Be removed, be cast in the sea," and don't doubt in your heart. You've done the due diligence, and you have sought out what's supposed to happen. And you know that you know that it's supposed to happen. And you declare that. And there's no place for doubt. That's the essence of what Pinthonomai tries to do. But it involves you being aware and alert and sensitive and paring away it, 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 all the things that could influence a negative assessment. Let's look at another one. Acts 4, verse 5. It came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, Pinthonomai, by what dunamis? Or by what name have you done this? It was the healing of the crippled man. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Now, these rulers weren't just interested in knowing what had happened. They were interested in discerning how it happened. And they were interested in discerning if they could take advantage of it or if they could snuff it out. These are the same dudes that not too long before had arrested Jesus and presented him for crucifixion to Pilate. So Peter knew who these guys were. And this was a convening of a wicked, ungodly religious situation and they've gathered everybody together. They got Peter, and uh, he's there in the midst. And they pinthonomai. You don't talk about surrounding a situation. Peter was surrounded. Pinthonomai. Well, you know, you can't necessarily get your situation and sit it in the midst of people and you're sitting up on a throne telling it what to do. But you sure can posture 
that situation, whatever it is, and put it in the midst, and you make a determination as to exactly what is going on, and make sure it's clear, make sure it's not jaded. You want to know from God. It's one thing I've learned. You don't want to go half-cocked into the spirit realm acting on your emotion or what somebody told somebody that somebody else had said. You want to make sure you know. You know, sons of Sceva tried to deliver a man from demons. In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. Jesus I know, Paul I know. Who are you? you got to make sure that you've done what you need to do and you, you divine, as it were, the situation. This is what God needs for us to, to do, particularly in this time frame. And it's a spiritual principle. How about uh, the story of Peter and Cornelius in Acts 10? Responding to angelic directive. Verse 17 says, Now, while Peter doubted in himself what the vision, which had come down three times from heaven, while he was on the roof of Simon the Tanner's business, he doubted what this should mean. Behold, men which were sent from Cornelius made inquiry for where Simon's house was. And this is, this is Dieratau, which is from Eratau, which is in kindly asking. They could have barged in there. These were Roman soldiers or acting on behalf of the centurion. They didn't have to be kind with anybody. But they found out where Simon's place was and they stood before the gate and called and Pinthonomai whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, was lodged there. They had the goods, didn't they? They had a word from the angels. They had a word from God to, um, to go forth and find Peter through, through, through Cornelius, their, their leader. They went and discovered where Simon's house was. They came to the gate and asked, for Simon by name and surname, and they um, they really were were very specific, knowing that he lodged there. Isn't that something? All of this information, when they went at the angelic directive to get Peter. Now, when Peter goes with them, he uses the word again, Acts ten verse twenty eight. Peter said to them, You know how that it is unlawful, an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come unto one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you with gain, without gainsaying as soon as I was sent for. That's a good point. Leave your gainsaying at home. Don't be saying gain now. I pinthonomai, therefore, for what intent you have sent for me. Cornelius said, For 
days ago I was fasting to this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the seaside, who, when he comes, shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and I, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God? That's the answer to Peter's request for Pinthonomai. I mean, he... He wanted to know, and boy, oh boy, he was absolutely surrounded by this thing. Or better yet, he surrounded it. Do you see that? So I'm not asking you to, and too many Christians do that. God will give them a word, and then they start looking for yeas or nays. And they call everybody under the sun, Aunt Nellie and Uncle Bo and you know, whoever else they can think of. And they're really just trying to have somebody else do their homework or find a way out of it. Or they'll get online and listen to every prophet they can think of and some that they're just now discovering to hear what they think about it. That's ridiculous as well. And I'm just telling you, if you're a pneumatikos individual, you need to grow up and stand on your own feet. Some people are addicted to every word that comes down the pike. And I don't like that at all. And I know God doesn't either. I can tell you that. Well, doesn't he tell us to hear the voice of the prophet? Yes, he does. But, you know, when we see in the Old Testament where a king had a bunch of prophets around him, what was usually the result? Demonic advice. Well, When a king had one prophet or two prophets that he trusted, that were his. That's when God says, thou art the man. That's when God says, choose this seer and not that one. That's when God speaks. If you find a multitude of prophets around a king, it's usually a, a, an invitation for lying spirits. Do you see that or you, do you want to see it? So I'm not suggesting that you that you let everybody else do your spiritual homework or you just want to find as much as you can to side with what it what it is you want to do i'm asking you to go before god and welcome the spirit of of inquiry and and utilize it for the kingdom and you as pneumatikos people should be well schooled at that anyway you, we want to know what god says we want to study to show ourselves approved we want to wait on God. We want to hear Him. One of the things we tried to do when we've had fivefold prayer times and when we have um, when we've sought after God to um, um, to to speak to us, and um, we uh, you know then we we start saying, okay, let's hear what God wants to say to you in this moment. And we always try to say, now we don't want to know when it comes time for you to give insights, 
what teaching you heard last week. We don't want to know what you heard two years ago in a dream or what book you've just been reading or, you know, and, and usually even though we say that, we can tell the airwaves of certain people are so colluded with all of that nonsense that they couldn't hear from God if he was shouting through Gabriel's trumpet. And that's a shame. You know, you got to wrap your mantle around your head to hear that still small voice, which means you've got to cut everything else out and trust what God is speaking to you. Now, it's got to be biblical, and it's got to be in the moment. But that's kind of the, the perspective and the, the sharpening of, of what, God, um, what, what, what God wants to do in this pinthonomai uh, discussion where you're gleaning from God. Now, let's talk about this in the moments we have. How could the spirit of divination function in this way? How could the enemy, Puthos spirit, function in this way? Well, number one, they're demonically inclined. How does a uh, how does a person who who uh, is a necromancer or a, a fortune teller how do they how do they work? Well, they they have demons that recognize the background of people. And they also, I know the enemy has some type of capacity, I'm not trying to give him more power than he needs, to discern what's important to you, perhaps what you lust after, and to hit that. You know, and you know, if you're an unscrupulous prophet, it doesn't take you long to find out where somebody itches. And if you find that and you milk that, their tears, the waterworks will start and they'll say, you're the greatest prophet known to man. It's not hard to do that type of thing. And, you know, some people are just, as my dad say, the enemy sees you coming. And we got to be bigger than that. We've got to be better than that. So this girl, the demon said, watch out for this guy. He's moving on behalf of the Most High. She knew that. She also followed around for a couple of days. It grieved Paul, but she was observing. She was coiling around. She was watching. And for some reason, she determined she was going to try to, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. So she tried to join Paul. Now, some of you, I'm not saying who, maybe even me, might be tempted if you're out in ministry for some Yahoo to say, oh, man, I'm a, I prophesy you are the hottest prophet since Gunga Din, and you have the goods. All of you people need to listen to them. I mean, we wouldn't be trying to cast that spirit out. We wouldn't be trying to cast that person out. We'd position them right up by us, right? Because they're, strike, they're stroking your prophetic angst. Nobody listens to me. And here, finally, is somebody who knows how wonderful I am. That's Puthos. 
they have done their homework. And they are also getting insight from the enemy about what he fears about you. And they're concocting it. That's how a putho spirit happens. And if you're living in the world or if you're living in fear, it doesn't take long for the enemy to know what floats your boat and what causes you to be um, um, manipulated. That's divination. Now, in a positive sense, in a pure sense, we're not trying to manipulate anybody. We're not trying to stoke somebody up or laud them so that we can get them on our side. We want to know what's happening. So we listen to the Spirit. We, God doesn't tell you everything. He expects you to do some work. That's why when you ask, you also have to seek and knock. God, that's why the promise comes with a selah and then the fulfillment. God will give you everything you need, but he's looking for a partner, not a puppet. And so we've got to be sensitive and learn and let our prophetic stance through gleaning atmospheres, through gleaning circumstances, through piercing through confusing moments. We may not know immediately. Sometimes we will. But it's usually, let's discern. Let's be as wise as a serpent. Let's be circumspect. Let's see more than what the natural eye is showing. And let's be as harmless as a dove. Let's not go in there tearing up Jack. Our mission, and in, in what the dove is, is the, the fulfillment, the peaceful fulfillment of the mission of sons. So part of that is to be as wise as a serpent, to not be like a serpent, but to be wise in ways that the serpent has shown us we ought to be. That's penthonomai. And so in these days that seem to have lots of opinions, oh my goodness, from COVID to all the social unrest. I mean, there are some people who are just hell-bent on activision, activism and they just got on it right away. It's kind of like the the goofy guy who said marriage is about honor. you got to get honor and stay honor. Some people have their own idea, and they just, they're on it immediately. Oh, see, there it is. That's it. I, that's what's happening. And they want everybody else to march to their drumbeat. You know, it's the wise person that says, let's hear a thing. He that answers a matter before he hears it is a fool. I don't want to be foolish, especially in the moment we're living in, in the assignment God has given us. So we've got to be as wise as serpent, as harmless as doves, and we've got to know the voice of the Spirit. We've got to spend time with God. We've got to know the Scripture. We've got to be sensitive, and we've got to, we've got to discern, surround a thing in the presence of the Lord, and glean, squeeze the essence of what God is really saying, and let that be our pneumatikos standpoint. That's how the puthos spirit in a negative way works, but that's how we as sons of the Most High God need to imply pinthonomai, to know, thus says the Lord. Here is what God is doing. That's why Jesus, you know, 
you see him go into a crowd. And it, at one time it says, and he knew their thoughts. Why was that important? He's the son of God. He can say whatever he wants to say. Who's going to dispute it? It's the truth anyway. He knew their thoughts. He, one point, he looked around and they asked him a question. He already knew that there were Pharisees and Sadducees there. He asked them a question in return that he knew split those two wide open. How did he do? Why did he do that? He could have given them. He's God. He could have given them an answer. But he, circums, he, he circumscribed. He saw everything that was around. And then he made the perfect answer. Oh, it may not be the answer that you, with all your great power and might, want. Jesus could have gone in there and scattered them all. But that's not what he did. Paul did the same thing once. He, he was there and he immediately saw that there were Pharisees and Sadducees. And he said, I'm being called in question because as a Jew, I question the resurrection. Well, immediately then the course turned. All those people that came to, to nail him turned on one another. And Paul was saved. Do you see this? So, when it comes to spiritual reality, when it comes to spiritual things, God says, be wise, be circumspect. Utilize the inquiry that, that I give you as a right as a son to utilize. And this is how it links back to Iteo, asking the Father. Because we are serving him. We remember what, what the definitions were of Scripture. We're, we're partnering with his hand. We're following his ways and his commands. We want to please him in his sight. We want to accomplish his will. We have been created in eklego and chosen in our tetheme to serve. We have a role to play. We're abiding where he says to abide. We're in agreement with others who are symphonio with us. All of those things, we've surrounded ourselves with all of that as God would have it. That's our environment. And when we make a request of God, it is not out of fear. It is not out of doubt. It is not out of complaint. It is not out of well, you know, I just, uh, I don't think you care for me anymore. You know, all that malarkey that sometimes we say, to borrow a phrase from Joe Biden. Of course, his is the no malarkey tour. Of course, I think he should change his title to no see him tour because you don't see him. <laughs> He's down in a bunker somewhere. But we surround ourselves with this, and our asking comes because we are absolutely ensconced with the presence and the mission of our God and our identity in him and what he is in us, most importantly. So that's the connection between Iteo and Puthos. And we should be applying these in the spirit realm because the enemy is trying in a secondary way to do it. And we can be like Philip in the face of Simon the Sorcerer. You may be operating in divination, but I'm operating in the pentonymo of the, of the Most High God. That, that beats it all. So, may God bless you. May you continue to be under the covering of the blood of Jesus. 
And may you move in accordance with him. You must remember who God is, who you are, and represent the pneumatikos lifestyle as people who are going into the deeper things of the word of God. You are not moved by what you see in the natural. You are a child of the Most High, and you represent the kingdom. So, God bless you. I'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow uh, in another prayer primer. And, you know, throughout this week, there's a lot of stuff available to you. Keep in prayer, and let's stay connected. Until such time as the next we're together, God bless you, and goodbye.